Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 191, Challenging Gobblers with Ray I. And I am your host and a guy who had a moment of excitement this past Saturday morning. So I actually saw my first pulse for 2018 and, you know, I want to jump up and down and get all excited about it, but truth of the matter is, it causes me a little bit of concern. So Saturday morning, I was headed to my property south of Birmingham to do some fishing and saw two hens in a fallow field, and they freaked out when they saw the vehicle coming and flew across the road that I was driving on. But before they flew and before they completely freaked out, when they saw the truck, I happened to see some little heads poking up above the grass. And when the two hens flew across the road, I drove by. I was watching in the side mirror to see what the poults were going to do. And lo and behold, they took off flying across the road as well. So two hens, eight poults, which got me very excited. But then I saw three more hens in three different locations, and none of them with any poles. Last week, while driving into the property to go fishing, my buddy Todd and I saw two hens with no poles. You know, it's very possible, because I'm driving on the same road to go in there, that two of the three hens that I saw this past Saturday were the same two hens that I saw without poles. The week before, and instead of seeing five hens with no poults, I'm just seeing three hens with no poults. Needless to say, we need more poults, but we had a very rainy May in central Alabama, and I'm a little bit worried about this hatch that we're having for 2018. So yes, I was very excited, but yes, I'm also a little bit concerned in what appears to be a very low recruitment year for poults. Now, I won't know for sure how this year's hatch came out until deer season, 
but even more so until turkey season next year, which just so happens to be 267 days, 10 hours, 57 minutes, and 47 seconds away from right now in the state of Alabama. So I've got a great show for you guys this week. This is an interview that I did with Ray I about three months ago that is just too good to keep from you guys any longer. It's an interview that you're going to find lots of good tips in that will help you not only next spring, but this coming fall as well. Now, for those of you who have never heard Ray speak at a seminar, heard his radio show, or read his book, you're in for a treat and a chance to learn a lot from this interview about a strategy that you may not have heard of before. Here is Ray I. So listen in closely, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am excited to tell you that I'm here with the one, the only, Ray I. And I'm going to pick Ray's brain a little bit because about two years ago at the NWTF convention in Nashville, I walked around and I asked a lot of the turkey hunting pros there what one trick, tactic, strategy, Whatever it happens to be, what one strategy elevated your turkey hunting game to the next level to where you were consistently killing turkeys year in, year out? And Ray I says to me, challenging gobblers. And so I thought it was a great answer, and I'm going to pick Ray's brain about that. So we're going to jump into this thing. Ray, how are you and where are you? Oh, great. I'm in Missouri. I'm at home, actually. I'm off the road. I've been traveling quite a bit. But yeah, gobblers. You know, fall turkey hunters, Andy, i got to tell you, before we even get started, fall turkey hunters make better spring turkey hunters because they know more about vocalizations, more about calling, more about the cycle, seasonality, and pecking order of wild turkeys. And if you can kill fall turkeys, you can really kill spring turkeys. Yeah, very cool. Well, I wish we had more opportunities for fall turkey hunting in Alabama, but we've still got some old school people running the, right. the wildlife division. But they're coming around slowly but surely on some things, so maybe fall turkey hunting will pick up. But... I do this segment in the show that I call the Rapid Fire Q&A, and I want to see if you want to play along. So basically what it is, is I'll run through 30 questions just about turkeys, turkey hunting. If you're up for it, I'll put the stopwatch to you. We'll time you going through these and <laughs> see fine. if you can beat the fastest time out there, which is 2 minutes and 48 seconds by Tony Reynolds. Oh, boy. All right. We'll give it a shot. All right. So let me pull the stopwatch. I have, and, and I have no idea what you're going to ask, just so everyone knows. I don't have a clue. No idea what I'm going to ask, that's for sure. In fact, I don't even know what I'm going to ask, Ray. <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> okay. Taking me forever to find my clock here. There we go. All right. So I'm going to just start the clock on the first question, and we'll rip through these as quick as we can. Okay. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Grilled. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola, or with water? Water, always. Number of grand slams? Two. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Yes. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a 2-year-old or a 4-hour long hunt with a clean miss on a 4-year-old? Clean miss on a 4-year-old. Favorite camo pattern? Tans and browns. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Oh, for dinner. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Uh, less. The state you killed your first turkey in? Missouri. Ozarks. The state you killed your last turkey in? Hawaii. 
sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Oh, that's tough. Run and gun, not shoot. Rios or Osceola? Get out in the air. What's that? Rios or Osceolas? Oh, my goodness. Osceola. Osceolas or Easterns? Mm, I'm going to say Easterns because of our Easterns in the Ozarks. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. All right. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods turkeys. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight, or beads? Just a bead. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Depends on where I'm hunting. Usually, if it's raining, rubber boots. Other than that, just tennis shoes. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Oh, my. That's a tough one. I'm, I'm going to say down home on my grandpa's farm. Memories. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Oh, I don't know. I, some years, I probably killed 20, 25 in a season. Run around the country, different states. All right. One spring. Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? I don't have any idea. <laughs> uh, two or three, maybe. Out of all the states you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? Oh, that's so many variables in that, man. That, that's, that's a hard thing to judge. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Alabama. All right. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Gobbler yelp. Favorite turkey hunting book? I know the answer. Mine. Gray eye. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Who taught you how to turkey hunt? My grandpa and my dad. Think of the toughest turkey you ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? No. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Spurs. The biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? They don't sit still. How long does turkey season last in heaven, and what is the bag limit? Oh, it lasts forever, and there is no bag limit. Oh, ho, ho. even with elaboration, you got two minutes and 45 seconds. So you beat Tony Reynolds by three, almost four seconds. Yeah, sorry, Tony. <laughs> Some of them, you know, some, there's so many variables in some of those questions. That's difficult to answer. Oh, yeah. Well, I know who's being truthful when I go through these and who's not, because the people who just rip off answers and don't go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're not being real truthful. They're just answering just to answer. So, but no, those, those are some tough questions. And I think, I, well, I had a listener to the show actually turn the table on me and ask me those 30 questions. Yeah. And I believe I had the longest time out of anyone that has done it <laughs> because I've, I mean, I've never really thought about the answers to these myself, but some of them are real easy. I know I like wild turkey on the rocks, so that was easy. Mm-hmm. But that whole Rios or Osceolas, Osceolas or Easterns, Easterns or Merriams, that one's tough. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been real fortunate to hunt turkeys everywhere, you know, like Hawaii and, and, and old Mexico and every place, but there's still something for me because I grew up as a kid in the Ozarks, in the Ozark Hills here, a gobbler in the spring on one of those uh, uh, river valleys and mm-hmm. the river hills. There's, there's nothing compares for me compares to that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, for those people who are listening who don't know who Ray I is, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what it is that makes Ray I tick. All right. Well, I'm from the Missouri Ozarks. I, I grew up on, on my grandpa's farm, and we lived in that area my entire life. And everybody in my family was hunters. It's, I grew up in a generation where everybody hunted, and that was that was the lifestyle the entire family hunted. And then I got involved in a turkey calling contest back in the late 60s and early 70s. Every community had a local turkey calling contest in the spring. And most of the guys in the hills made their own calls. My grandpa made me a uh, slate call out of a school board, chalkboard out of the old one-room schoolhouse in a out of cedar fence post from the pasture and a corn cob from the from his pig lot and made me a slate call and everybody made calls so i competed in contests when i won a few people asked where they could get a call so i made a few and then the local store asked me to bring some down i did that and then they then the local store says come down here and tell people how to use these things and it kind of went from there that's kind of how it started because I, I killed my first turkey when i was nine years old down in the ozarks with my grandpa 
And then as I progressed in the calling contest and traveled more, I started doing these in-store promotions. Walmart picked up my corn cob and slate call, and then I started making diaphragms, and that was in the mid-'70s. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a guy came in, and I was given a seminar in the store. I didn't even know what a seminar was. But I was first showing him how to do calls, and then so many people showed up. He said, well, tell him how to turkey hunt. So this gentleman come in, and he said, I wanted to see if you'd uh, be willing to come and do a seminar at the college because the guy we have hired can't make it this spring. And I said, sure, what's a seminar? And he said, what you're doing here? So anyway, they threw me on a, on a stage with about 350 people, and I wasn't sure. I went to a good friend of mine named Ralph Dern, and he made me an outline. And uh, I had lots of slides. I'm a photographer. And he said, let me organize your slides, and I'll put you to an outline, and you can do a seminar. Well, I was going through those, and I, was, I, was kinda, I thought I kind of stunk. And then uh, I got to this one slide and started talking about this turkey, and I told a story, and everybody laughed. And when they laughed, I just started telling stories and teaching through the slides and kind of went from there. And that's how I got started in this. And then I did colleges all over the state, and then I started traveling out of state. And then when I started competing in the world, the national, and all those competitions around the country, and I started doing seminars for sports shows, hunting shows, et cetera, it just expanded from then. And then in 1985, Hunter Specialist decided to do a call line, and my Ozark Mountain line became H.S. Strutt. And me and Tom Stuckey traveled all over the United States with the beginning of Hunter Specialist. And that's, that's how all this thing started. And I've been, I, did, I was an outfitter for a while. I did some guiding for people. But what I do now is I do radio, outdoor radio. I do media hunts, outdoor media hunts, where I bring in the, the national communicators, and we have sponsors like Mossberg and things like that that come in, and any Creek Shooting Systems, and we, we take product and stuff. That's how the people, in the old days, it was all mostly magazines. Now it's, you know, it's everything. It's electronic media, it's radio, it's television, it's magazines, it's it's everything. And so we're, we're bringing the young folks in now that's really versed in this new electronic thing. It's really interesting. We have the old guys against the young guys. Actually, it's a lot of fun. So I do those sort of things in uh, seminars. I'm a national seminar speaker. And in addition to everything else I do, I'm a field editor, writer for Midwest Outdoors Magazine. I have a monthly column in there, an article in there. And I'm also the hunting host on Midwest Outdoors Television. Fantastic. I've had a few people tell me that they just absolutely love your book. And so tell us a little bit about the book, what's in it, what it's about okay where we can get it well originally it was going to be called chasing spring because i went to work with outdoor life one year and we did a blog and a and a, and a website deal where they followed me around i hunted nine states ten states we sent everything in you know with today's communication you send things right from the field and we did chasing spring and so i talked about what i do traveling and what i told the thing about the book is what i wanted to do is just be as honest as i can with people and not tell them how to turkey hunt not tell them what they're doing wrong because generations of turkey hunters has all been told what not to do mm-hmm. and i'm not going to tell anybody how to turkey hunt. what i tell them is what i do and that's what my book's about i tell factual information of what happened when i go to an outfitter that tells me i shouldn't call the turkeys because they're call shy and I, I, I run into more obstruction trying to kill a turkey for a television show or with an outdoor rider from the outfitters or the people that I go to than I do from the turkeys. Amen. So, so what I'm telling them is if I can go into the field, fly into a place, I've got three mornings to make it happen. I got eight people with me, two camera guys and a producer. I've never seen this place in daylight. If I can go in there, kill a turkey and get a television show with the tactics that I'm using, then I should be able to help you be more successful when you just go turkey hunting. So I tell the folks that I'm not going to tell them how to turkey hunt. I'm going to tell them how I turkey hunt. And there are some great places I went where they said, hey, do your thing, not a problem. But I have 
I have been actually driven to gas stations, run off of ranches. I've been told to leave because I made their turkeys call shy. Back in the 80s, when I did uh, Eye on the Wild Turkey, my first videos, we did it up in North Missouri. And that area, they were at that time, everybody was so into yelp three times and cluck and, and don't call no more and don't call very much that there was a bad spring for turkey hunting. We shot our videos. We got our got our project done. But I was I was blamed for like 10 years after that if somebody didn't kill a turkey that <laughs> Ray, I'd been up there calling too much of these turkeys. I heard that for years. I was in Florida one time, Andy, on a hunt, and uh, we went in early to check on the birds, and I got out and cut, and a hen answered me, and she started yelping, so I started calling. They drove off and left me in a swamp. Oh, wow. My guy come back and got me, and I said, what was that all about? He said, you done rent this for the rest of the season. You made him call shy. I said, well, I'll hunt here in the morning. I killed that turkey the next morning. Yeah. But I run yeah. into that. So that my book is I talk about how I turkey hunt, where I turkey hunt, and the tactics that I use that helps me be successful. And I'm not saying I'm right, I'm wrong, I'm better, I call better, or anything like that. But I, I get I get a little bit of abuse on the book because I talk so much about calling because it, calling is everything. Calling is what makes it happen. Calling locates turkeys. Calling calls turkeys, communicates with turkeys. Calling is everything. If you didn't call, I wouldn't have success. And when I go into a new place, I've never been there in my life. If I can get in there with my turkey, I don't look for poop or scratchings or feathers. I want to visually see turkeys. I want to hear turkeys. And I find the turkeys with calling. And that's what I teach. And I tell you, this year at the NWTF, this 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 recent NWTF we just did, I cannot tell you the number of hunters that came up to me and thanked me for my book and the seminars, and they tried. They would never did use those type of tactics that I teach before, and they were successful in killing turkeys, and they came and thanked me. That meant a lot to me. Yeah, yeah. I totally believe that. When people shoot me emails with a story and a picture of a dead turkey and they say, hey, thanks for doing the podcast, you know, it really helped me yeah, get this sure. bird. I mean, man, that's that's why we do it. That's why we yeah, do it. Some, some of my seminars, you know, when I'm teaching this, I've had guys get out and walk out and, uh, you know, that they don't they don't believe in calling like that. But then the sheer number that come to the booth afterwards or up to, at the front of the room or, or email me later or contact me later and, and thank me for what I taught them, then it's all worth it. Yeah, definitely. So where can we get the book? Is it on Amazon and all those places? Or yeah, it's everywhere, but you can get it you get it from me, and I could be happy to autograph for you at uh, rayi.com. It's real simple, rayi.com. You get right on the website and order it there, and I'll be happy to personalize it for you. And it's everywhere else. You just you just Google Ray I Turkey Book, and it comes up. It's everywhere. Very good. Yeah, that was my next question was, if we got it from your website, would you autograph it? So Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, let's jump into this. I'm really itching to pick your brain about challenging some gobblers. And so, as I mentioned, you gave that answer to the one-question interview that I was doing a couple of years ago at the NWTF convention. And I want to dig in more with that. So, Okay. Tell us what you mean exactly by challenging gobblers. All right, there's a pecking order, social structure. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. In the old days of spring turkey hunting, everything surrounded about the hen yelp and the gobbler in the mating season. And if a lot of the hens weren't on the nest, if hens weren't on the nest and two-year-olds weren't responding to the call, then something was wrong with the turkeys. The season's off. No one was utilizing the pecking order for a lot of years. Now, now let me back up a little bit. Years ago, Years and years ago, the old-timers did the gobbler yelp. If you go back and find an old Penn's Woods 45 record, a lynch uh, out of Mississippi, uh, these different callers, and they all teach. If you remember, the old lynch box call had a hen on one side and a gobbler on the other. Mm -hmm. They were doing the gobbler yelp, and it wasn't just a fall call. They were killing turkeys in the spring. And I don't know why it went away or why what happened in the teaching of turkey hunting, but spring, spring turkey hunting is judged solely by hen to gobbler and how that works. If it's off and it's not right, then something's wrong. You've got to hit that little magic window when everything's right when you hen call to a gobbler. 
And I will tell you, and I tell everybody, I kill more turkeys across the United States of America and Mexico with gobbler yelps than I ever do with a hen call because the season isn't usually, isn't always right. I'll go into an area and the gobblers, the first thing I notice, all the gobblers are running around together. Or, I'll, or it'll be late season. I, I went to Kansas with some young girls, uh, 13, 14-year-old kids on a, on a youth hunt. And a hen yelp does you absolutely no good. Never even saw a hen. It was all gobblers. They were regrouping in their social structure. They were regrouping in their in their bachelor groups. And we killed on camera. These kids killed all their first turkeys simply by gobbler yelping. And all a gobbler yelp is that you hear them do it. A lot of people think it's a hen when they hear it, but they call just a little slower rhythm, a little longer yelp sometimes. If they get excited, it gets pretty high pitched and goes pretty fast. But it's so basic and it's so simple. People overthink. Wild turkey hunters are the worst of overthinking and overanalyzing and over-evaluating every situation. When if you just sit back and let, watch and listen to the turkeys, you'd learn everything you need to do. Yeah. So you can use a gobbler yelp because I have shot countless hours for years of video of gobblers responding to gobbler yelps that wouldn't respond to a hen call. And because they're always, when a gobbler is with hens and he's strutting with a hen, you can try to call the hens. And you, you can do that with a pecking order, too. They never talked about the hen pecking order. I always teach the hen pecking order, too. But I can kill that gobbler with hens if I can get tight and do a gobbler yelp because he wants to whip me. Mm-hmm. And he'll come to fight and run me off away from the hens. But I kill more gobblers in every state I've ever been. I've been in states. They said, well, that won't work here. And I hear all those things. And I kill gobblers with it because that's what I was saying earlier when we were talking. A fall turkey hunter knows vocalization. He knows gobbler yelping. He knows Jake yelping. He even gobbles. He knows all the calls, the vocalizations of the wild turkey and how it fits in with the pecking order of the wild turkey, where most, a lot, I don't say most, but a lot of spring hunters only have ever been taught or know about in the spring where you sound like a hen and you call a gobbler. And they don't try to utilize these other things. And it's so, it, but you know what I see today, which I find really interesting, all the things I've been teaching for 30 years in seminars and programs and my books and my DVDs that used to be VHS about gobbler yelping, they're utilizing now with strutting decoys and decoys mm-hmm. and things like that. It's the same thing. It's challenging the pecking order. That's why a fan works. That's why a, a, a male decoy works. It's the same principle. But I can do the same thing they're doing with that just by gobbler yelping. It's, it's, it's so much easier. And you can use it anywhere. I've used it on reels. I've used it on Florida birds. I've used it on ghouls in Old Mexico. I've used it from California, New York. I've hunted 43 states for turkeys. And out of those 43 states, I'd say the biggest percentage of turkeys taken either on television or with people I was calling for, the media, were killed with gobbler yelps. I've had a lot of turkey hunters tell me on hunts that they liked the sound of my call, but I was calling too slow. I need to make it a little faster. They don't even realize I'm gobbler yelping. Yeah. So is there a difference in the gobbler yelp and the Jake yelp? Not much. No, not really. Just It's just a yelp. It's just a longer yelp. Then, hang on a second. Hang on just a second. All right, I got my box call here. All right. Okay, you're yelping. You, you know, hen's kind of fast, you know. Quick and fast word. Gobble yelp. Just slow that down. Just yelp, yelp, yelp. Slow your rhythm down a little bit. Now, I've heard gobblers yelp 30 times in a row, too, and do it really fast. And they cut, and they yelp. That's a gobbler yelp. That's what I use. Okay. And I, you do that on a mouth call as well. Mouth call, glass calls, slate calls, they all make great gobbler yelps. And the fighting purr, you can do a fighting purr and, and hard uh, cutting. And a real high, uh, there's a high-pitched, let me, hey, let me grab another call. Hang on. Okay. All right, I got a, uh, an old glass call here. And I haven't got it roughed up, and I got time to look for the paper. But, you know, when you real clear, mm-hmm. quick is, is the hen. And you just drag that out. 
There's your gobbler yo. But these gobblers, they'll do a, they cluck, but they do a high pitch. It's not, it's not roughed up right, but it's a higher, it's a higher pitch. I can really do that on mouth call. High pitch, I call it high pitch putting. Drives them crazy. They do that when they get excited. But you can take that, that call. That's gobbler calling, gobbler yelping. Yeah, very good. So really no difference in the Jake yelp and a gobbler yelp. Is there a difference as no, to a when lot you're going to use those? A, yeah, well, you know, the Jake's, the smaller vocalization, a smaller turkey, maybe, you know, a little faster, a little higher pitch, but not always. But one of the things that I'll do, and I've got a bad cold, I don't know that I can do it. I'll do a, a yelp, and then I'll go on the end of it, and then start, start again. Mm-hmm. Jake's, they try to gobble. Right. Oh, I drives them nuts. Big gobblers, they can't stand that. I've got, actually, I've got video. I've got some videos of some DVDs out where I gobble at the turkey and they just turn and march in. That's awesome. And it's all, it's all to do with pecking order. Yeah. Is there a time of the season that the strategy of challenging gobblers works best, in your opinion, as far as springtime? And we'll talk about fall as well. The, if they're, the best time is, if the season's early or the season's late, if the gobblers are still grouped together and pushing and fighting for trying to gather hens, it's death. And then later in the season, I love late season turkey hunting, like May and late May in Kansas. I don't ever even make a hen call. That's one of the best times in the world. I want to, I want to, to use the gobbler yelp and I've got it all on video where we challenge them and I've got gobblers being submissive and squatting down in the field with their fans fanned out when other gobblers come in the field never saw a hen and it was all gobbler yelping if you went to that same field that i was in and got it a blind with those kids and just did hen yelps you'd never kill a turkey that late yeah. they wasn't responding to hens they respond i never even saw a hen or heard a hen i went to uh old mexico sierra madre mountains in june end of the first week of june into the second week of june and we killed turkeys on television in june because we gobbler yelped and then here at home in missouri when everybody else was done hunting and it was over everybody was saying it was over it was still going strong i went down into fields around my home area and set up cameras video cameras and videotape strutting and gobbling all the way all summer june july and august wow strutting turkeys with the bugs and stuff in july fourth of july i even held up a newspaper because i challenged them with gobbler yelps and they were defending their territory not so much their territory but their, their, their position in the flock. And I videotaped these two gobblers that were the dominant bird all spring. He had a missing tail feather, a missing wing feather, and I, I knew which one he was. And in June, he was still the dominant bird. In July, the other one was starting to come on. And in August, the older bird that was in, in charge in the pecking order, he was now squatting down on the ground, and the other one was marching around him in full strut. But October opened, and I ended that. So Yeah. <laughs> Gotta like that. And so... When you've got gobblers bunched up, it's a better time to do to challenge them. Yeah. And see, I'm a I'm a fall turkey hunter. I love fall turkey hunting more than spring turkey hunting. Always have. And I kill and I target and kill fall gobblers. That's what I do. I hunt fall gobblers. And I've got a great video hunt with the, my great friend from Indiana, Gary Johnson, with a flintlock, wearing primitive clothes. And I'm wearing bib overalls in the Ozark Hills in the National Forest. I call in like twelve longbeards, come in, gobble and strut. He takes one with a flintlock, and it was all with gobbler yelp, and that's one of my favorite. But I target fall gobblers. I have for years. I killed fall gobblers with my bow, my recurve, back in the, the 70s, the late 60s and 70s. I hunted one with a bow, and I hunt black powder. We did When Missouri opened its first fall turkey season, we, we pushed and pushed for fall turkey season. And at 75, they wouldn't open it for firearms, but they opened it for archery. And I killed a, 
a gobbler on Johnson Mountain in Southern Missouri in the Ozarks on, on 1975 on that first fall season. And then in 1978, they finally opened it to gun, but we did a muzzleloading camp. We hunted with original Black Potter shotguns at Hornet's Nest for Wadding. What a great time. And we was in these Ozark Hills in October, the beautiful colors, and calling in these big gobblers, coming in, challenging these gobblers, and they're running into us, strutting, and we're killing them with muzzleloaders. It was just awesome. So you take those tactics I use in the fall, and I just use them in the spring. Yeah. And I know turkey hunters. I know some turkey hunters out there. People don't even know this. I know spring turkey hunters are very successful, and they're using gobbler yelping, but they're not telling anybody. It makes sense. We're we're a secretive bunch, aren't we? Oh, very much so. <laughs> so has this strategy been effective for you in pulling a gobbler away from a group of hens? Or Yeah. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I'll tell you a quick little story, and I may have told it to you before. I don't remember. I told it to a lot of folks, but back in the early 70s, we were on a gobbler that would fly down to the middle of the field with the hens. The hens would fly off the roost, yup, 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 go out in the field. He wouldn't come and strut. He'd pitch from the roost and glide out to the middle of the field. So we was trying to figure out, me and my brother's trying to figure out how we could kill this guy. And uh, I called the hens and he'd come part way, but he wouldn't follow them all the way in. And the hens would come in, look around, and they'd go back. Anyway, he stayed out there with the hens. So I challenged the hens. We did all types of hen calling. And we'd circle around the field and try different setups. We tried everything to try to kill this old turkey. Mm-hmm. And and every time when he'd leave the roost, he'd gobble on the roost, but then you'd, he'd pitch and he'd glide. He'd glide right out in the middle of that field and then stand out there and strut and gobble. And he was, you know, 80, 90 yards out in the field. You're in the edge of the timber there. You can't get to him. So I was on one side of him. My brother was on the other. At the upper end of the field where it comes narrow out of the National Forest, three jakes come down the hill, and he was strutting with those hens. We throwed everything we had at him, and those three jakes come out, and they yelped and went putt-putt and went yelp, yelp, yelp. He stood up, folded up, ran to the end of the field, beat the crap out of two of them. The other one ran, and then they ran off, and then he ran back to the field. I went, huh. It was about 1970 or 71, and I backed down and got in the creek. I went around to the side of the end of that hill, and I did the same sound they did, and I killed him running at me at about 10 yards. <laughs> and I awesome. said, huh, huh. Uh-huh. That's awesome. So speaking of the Jakes, here's a question for you, because I've seen this happen a few times when there are a large or there is a large group of Jakes patrolling a piece of property. Do you find at that point in time that trying to challenge that gobbler is a bad strategy no no it hasn't affected much i've seen the jakes beat up the gobblers yeah a bunch of jakes chase the gobblers off but i've also seen some pretty bad gobblers just wade right in there i've got video in kansas where the jakes were pretty dominant they they charged they charged the gobbler and they were jumping in there and they was trying to whip them there's two gobblers and they kind of whipped that one but that other one he ended up running them all out of the field wow but but you know and what I, what i like is a turkey fight that's something i didn't tell you and i've had this happen a lot of times especially when we're hunting the timber the ridges where there's a time of the year when there's really the gobblers are, are fighting for the hen and you, you're doing the hen call and, and you'll hear hens and you'll hear gobblers and the two guys, then you start hearing the fight. Mm-hmm. You hear them fight. And as soon as I hear them fighting, I close the distance, get as close as I can. And as soon as they're done fighting, I kill the winner because as soon as he gets done fighting, I challenge him, yeah. hit him right hard, quick, and he's already worked up. Man, I've killed a bunch of them like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. I actually did that. The Really the only time that I know for a fact that I heard gobblers fighting was this particular morning i got between two birds and they were gobbling on the roost well they flew down well the first one flew down and started walking towards the second one so i you know immediately in my head i'm and and i was a new turkey hunter i'd maybe been turkey hunting for four or five years immediately in my head i'm thinking what did i do you know this turkey's going the other direction well he probably walked 50 yards before the second turkey flew down and flew down to him and they were going at it. 
I mean, they were they were duking it out, and I was still over there steady calling to them, hen calling, and then I broke out my gobble tube, and I gobbled. And the winner of that fight came around, and, and he got shot at about 20 yards. Yeah. So I know years ago down in the Ozarks, Mark Twain it used to be Clark National Forest. It became Mark Twain National Forest. Never saw another person. I hunted private ground, but I grew up on my grandpa's farm, but I hunted a lot of national forests. And then we had some things that I do with outdoor riders, but we had an outdoor rider or two come down and hunt, and they put it in field and stream and outdoor life. In the next couple of years, you couldn't find a place to park because turkey hunting was relatively new in the in the 70s, the mid-70s, mm-hmm. and northern Missouri, you know, wasn't really good turkey hunting yet, and other states hadn't caught on. You know, they live-trapped and transferred turkeys out of the Missouri Ozarks to, you know, Wisconsin and Iowa and Illinois and Indiana and Kentucky, et cetera, et cetera. But in those early days, the, the turkey hunting in Missouri's best was in the Ozarks, or the only place you could hunt turkeys. So all these people showed up. So I learned something when when that many people was in the woods. And, and then that's some of that information that was out back in those days. I couldn't believe it. I'd go to a turkey and I'd yelp. And then some guy would come running by me. Everybody was running to turkeys. They had read that you got to run to the turkey to get to the turkey quick before anybody else gets to it. Because there's so many people in the woods. Yeah. But what I did then is that I didn't go out there with all the people, all them trucks in every road. I waited till 10, 11 o'clock till most people were gone. Then I'd go into the woods to places where I scouted knew where turkeys lived. And I'd never make a sound till I got into the woods and set up, and then I'd call. And I'd kill turkeys that way. But the other way that I killed lots of turkeys late morning, I'd wait till everybody left the woods. And then back then I could hear. And in the Ozarks, those old logging roads, you could walk them old logging roads and the hollers and the meals. Mm-hmm. And I'd just ease along till I hear one drumming. And then I'd get as close as I could underneath the edge of the hill where I heard him drumming and go pop, pop, and do a gobbler yelp. I killed a truckload of them turkeys like that through those years just by hearing them. Because they were locked down on hens. Nobody was gobbling. Everybody's saying it's over. They're not gobbling. Well, they were strutting with the hens. Yeah. And back then I could hear that and I killed lots of turkeys like that. So you mentioned earlier when I asked you a question about getting in tight with the gobblers and you just mentioned it again, trying to get in tight with them. Do you find that strategy? And, and now I know that the easy answer to that is yes, because we always want to get as close as we can get to a, yeah. to a gobbler. But do you find that strategy of challenging them is more effective when you are tied in there? with them yeah absolutely yeah okay yeah all calling is more effective if you're close the closer you are the more effective calling is it's like somebody asked me if i call the turkeys on the roost and i show them all my turkey footage from the roost uh i got this footage of all these turkeys on the roost because i set up close on the roost and yes i call to them on the roost turkeys call on the roost so i call you know i i just don't get into all that don't call to them on the roost and only yelp three times by the watch you know and i told some guys many years ago they said to go out there and, and call three times and then watch look at your watch and wait three minutes and then call again but a hen came in and yelped 30 times and took the gobbler off with her before I, my three minutes was up. So the next time, I was doing it. I was hammering it. I didn't. I do what the hens do. Listen listen to the hens. Listen to, as a turkey hunter in the spring. You go in the woods and nothing's happening. You're moving and calling. All of a sudden, this turkey starts gobbling. And so you start closing distance. What do you hear? You hear a dominant hen going, pop, 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 pop. And then the whole woods light up. So I started doing that. Well, she could do it, so I do it. And I found that if I got... People call it aggressive. I don't. I just call it calling. If you can sound like the dominant hen in an area, you can start turkeys when nobody else can. If, you, if you're if you're subdued and you're afraid to call and you only want to call very soft and very little, you're going to get the same results. Right. The loudmouth hen gets the boy. He, she always does. And if you listen to wild turkeys, you listen to a hen that's a dominant hen when she wants to breed, she tells them about it. She don't yelp three times and wait. You're right. He gets disinterested. Yep. No question. So 
I want to talk a little bit about gobbling at gobblers. Okay. Because we, we've talked about yelping at them a little bit. Is gobbling at a gobbler kind of a last resort strategy for you, or are you mixing that in with your yelps as well? And I mix it in. I usually mix it in my yelps. It depends on the mood and the time and how the turkeys are acting. If they're coming hard to the yelp, I don't gobble. But, yeah, I've turned them with a gobble, and, and it can be a last-ditch thing. And some every situation is different, every Right. Every hunt is different. Every time of the year, the weather, what the turkeys are doing. But yeah, I always, I, I generally, I have for forty years. I'll gobble with a gobbler yelps, especially the Jake yelp. I'll yelp, yelp, bow, and hit it real, hit it real quick, and it gets a good reaction. And that's how I used to locate a lot of turkeys in midday. Was instead of hen yelping, I'd, I'd move and I'd pause on a ridge and I'd gobble, and they'd answer it right away. You know how gobblers answer each other, and they'd answer it right away. Mm-hmm. Especially you sound like a Jake. I, I think that has a lot to do with it. You're not sounding like a dominant bird. You know, you sound like a young bird. Now you make some gobbler yelps and that, you get a good good response. Yeah. Okay. Is there any kind of a telltale sign of when to stop gobbling? Because my my experience in gobbling at gobblers, and I know you've got a lot more than I do, but I use it or have used it in the past as that last resort. Hey, I'm tired of messing with this bird. Mm-hmm. I've thrown everything at him. He's not doing anything, yeah. and I'll gobble, and if he answers me, I'll gobble back at him, and if he answers me, usually I'm done. Yeah. Is there... It's, it's every situation. You know, that's just one of many. It just depends depends on the reaction from the bird and what he's doing. Okay. You know, it's, it's very difficult to answer stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I call... I, what I tell... Generally tell people, I call how I feel uh, in response to the bird. It depends on time of the day, time of the year, what the turkeys are doing, and how they're responding to whatever calling I'm doing is how I call. Sometimes, like a guy says, when do you stop calling? And usually I say when I pull the trigger. But that's not always. But but I have. I have. I have literally called turkeys in nonstop. With not, and I've freaked guys out. I've taken outdoor riders that were against calling very much and then and call nonstop till we killed the turkey. And then he'd walk back to me and go, wow, I cannot believe that. And I said, why not? Hens do it. I'll give you a quick story. Some years ago in Texas, we were doing a media hunt, and I was with a pretty famous outdoor rider guy, remained nameless, and came on this hunt. And anyway, the wind was blowing pretty hard, and I knew where these gobblers were, and it was about 8 o'clock in the morning. I got over there, and I hit a call on a box call, and I heard him gobble. I said, we need to sit down, because we was pretty close to the border of the ranch. There was another ranch, and there was a big fence there, and I knew we couldn't go over there. And I said, I think they're across the fence. So we sat down, the wind was blowing, so I really got on it. So I started gobbler yelping loud, gobbled, and then cutting on a box call. And I said, they're coming. Sit down. So we sit down. And they came up about 60 yards down that fence and flew over the fence into our side. And it was going around the hill to the left of us, around the side of the hill there just below us. There was a creek down there. And I called again, and they gobbled. And I said, they don't know where I'm at. Turn around. So I turned him around, and I hit the mouth call really hard. Then I took that box call and cut on it, yelped. And they gobbled, and they turned, and they came up the hill. When I started up the hill, I got on that mouth call. Pop, 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 pop. Then I gobbled, yelp on the box call. Then I Pop, 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 on the mouth. And they gobble all the way in. He shoots his turkey. So he shoots the first turkey. I said, you need to kill him. You need to kill him. So he shoots a turkey. Turkey goes down. He stands up. I'm standing up picking up my stuff. I was like, yeah. I stand up. He turns around, pulls his head net off, comes marching back to me. and says, I'm going to tell you something. I would never, ever call to a turkey like that. I can't believe you called like that. So I looked him right in the eye. I walked right up to him. And I said, see that dead turkey down there? Go tell it to him. <laughs> the results speak. For themselves, there's no question. Yep. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit quickly about decoys. Do you use Jake decoys? Gobbler decoys, Jake decoys, hen decoys. It's a, it's, you know, there's no no wrong way to turkey hunt. It's all depends what you do. My preference of turkey hunting is me and the turkey and a turkey call. But there's situations like late season Kansas where I got those girls. I put up a blind. And I put out decoys. Uh, Jake and gobbler decoys with a hen and. They'll work, and strutting decoys work. I mean, I, I remember back in the late 70s, early 80s, a guy brought me a strutting decoy, and I took it to several companies, and they wouldn't touch it because they said it wasn't safe, and they wouldn't. And he never did get a patent. He got a patent pending, but never got a patent. And then the companies 
went on with it. But decoys can work for you, and every situation is different. You've got to use them when they're going to work. Open fields, setups on blinds. There's nothing wrong with shooting a turkey out of the blinds. Nothing wrong with shooting a turkey against a tree. Nothing wrong with using decoys. All hunters, however they hunt, legal means is great. But most of the time, I don't use decoys, but there are certain hunts that I will with the video cameras, with the television cameras and the kids, where I've got great video of gobblers attacking the decoys. You see a lot of that now. See, that's a difference now today than it was back in the 60s and 70s and early 80s when I was doing all this. People thought I was so full of it. They'd come back and they say, you are just a liar. Turkeys don't strut in the fall. Turkeys don't gobble. And now I even see it on Facebook with all these trail cams. They've got turkeys strutting in the snow. They still don't get it because on Facebook they go, they're starting early. They're not. It's pecking order. But now they're seeing all the stuff that I experienced for generations with my turkey hunters back in, in all those years because you tell people about it, they wouldn't believe you. But now with all these cameras, everybody's seeing it. Now they're all seeing the stuff that I've been teaching for years. It's fun for those of us who have the addiction to get around on social media and nose around and watch those videos and see them come across Twitter because lots of folks are filming themselves. And, and then, yeah. you know, with the game cameras having the video function as well. Yeah, I see lots wow. of those where they're, yeah. they're, they're capturing what I've been telling people turkeys are doing. And, and I, I finally told my friend at Midwest Outdoors Magazine, I said, hey, Mark, look, vindication. Look, these guys are getting the turkeys strutting in, in you know, in February and in, in January and December because on, on, on video and they're seeing it. But some of them are getting it, but some of them are still saying, well, I, they're starting off early. One year in December on a muzzleloader hunt down in the Ozarks, they started gobbling on the roost at daylight, and there was a big fight. And I moved around, and a buddy of mine was in a tree stand over there, and he did, all he had was just a regular camera, and he took pictures. He saw the entire thing. He saw the dominant gobbler strutting. The other gobblers would fan, but they would squat on the ground and sit on the ground when he came through. And all the fighting and all the social structure, all the sorting of the pecking order, all took place on a December day. The gobbling was nonstop from daylight till 10 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And people, if they're not out there, you don't experience that. Yeah. See, what happens in the spring, a guy gets a chance to go turkey hunting. He's, he's working for a living, and, and he gets he loves a turkey hunt, but he only gets out there so many days a year. When these guys only get to go so many days a year, I start middle of February, and I don't quit till the second week of June. But then I don't stop then. I videotape turkeys June, July, August, September, and then it's fall season. So I videotape and follow turkeys year-round. I, I did that for years. I haven't the last couple of years. I've slowed down a lot. But there were several years that I videotaped every month of the year of wild turkeys out in the wild with a camera documenting all this. Yeah, well, there's no question doing that makes you a better turkey hunter. The more time you can spend with them and learn your oh, story, the better off you're going to be. So, fantastic. Well, before I cut you loose, yeah. do you care to share a turkey hunting story with us like maybe a Hawaiian turkey? Well, I could probably do that because I was hunting with my brother and friend, John Sabati. I've been going over to... Hawaii since uh, 2000, 2001, I guess. I've held media hunts over there, shot television shows. But this this year was extra special, and last year was too, because this time we didn't take a big entourage. I just brought a camera. I shot camera myself for Midwest Outdoors Television. Mm -hmm. So it was just me and John. So it was really cool that we'd go up on the mountain. And I could, the mountain is, is we were hunting about 8,000 feet, and it was uh, 11 miles up the mountain. It's 80 at at the base of the mountain, 80 degrees, the time you get up at 8,000 feet, you need to wear a jacket. Right. And I went through uh, about 14 gates to get up there, four-wheel drive. It took us an hour and a half to do those 11 miles. But once you're up there, we were above the old growth forest into the lava flows. Now, we hunted that area, and that's where I've always hunted. But this this year and last year, we moved down the mountain later, and we hunted in the in the rainforest. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful. Green roads running through there, and it looks like you're hunting Jurassic Park. And it's, it's, you don't have all the elevation. It's still pretty rocky. It's not as rough as up north, but up above on the mountain. But man, is it fun hunting. And, but what I told John and what I told him on the television is 
what I found really interesting is the, the tactics and the setups that I learned in the Ozark Mountains when I was a kid on logging roads I used in Hawaii this year in 2018. Both turkeys that I killed, I made it easier for them to come to me. I got just under the hill where I couldn't see them until I could kill them. Mm-hmm. And I got tight, and I called to them, and I, I killed those two turkeys on camera in Hawaii just like I did in the 1960s in Missouri Ozarks. Same thing I learned in Missouri Ozarks I used in, on Hawaiian turkeys. And then John who's my guide and outfitter over there and great friend, known him for many years now. Um, when I killed that second turkey, I picked up the camera and said, okay, go turkey hunting. He goes, what? I said, he never gets to go turkey hunting. I said, yeah. you need to go turkey hunting because I want to document how you turkey hunt. I want to see how the Hawaiian guide hunts turkeys. He had one dead in 15 minutes. He was killing me. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. But uh, I could tell you what it's like, and I'll tell you a little story about John because – we were at 8,000 feet and it started getting light, and there's a Urkel Franklin over there. That, I call him Steve Urkel, and turkeys all gobble him. That's their owl. He tells me that we don't have owl, don't owl hoot, but I'll aggravate him. I'll owl hoot and a turkey gobble at and I get tickled at him. But I could look down through the clouds. The clouds were below me. There's this terrain with these trees, koa trees and these other trees, and you hear turkeys like the wave coming across the mountain, up and then back down. Look down through the clouds, and you could see the beach. You could see the water. It's way down there, but you could see the ocean. And you look to the right up on Mount Mauna Kea, and you see the snow. Mm. And you're sitting there going, this is unbelievable. And then he, he nudges me with his fingers, and he passes me up. It's still warm. He ca- carried it up in a, in, a, in a small cooler, packed cooler. His wife baked macadamia, banana nut, chocolate chip bread. She baked it that night, stuff out of their yard. And he hands me this banana nut, macadamia. These little, they use them little sweet bananas they have over there, too. So I'm eating that. So he hands me a cup of Kona coffee. And I'm sitting there. I go, I don't care if I shoot a turkey. Yeah. And I'm, I got the camera set up, and I'm recording. I'm trying not to talk because I am recording the audio of the turkeys on the roost. And I'm shooting some some pretty cool roost footage as they're starting to come down. And then, then I said, well, is it getting better than this? And he, he leans up. John leans up, and he says, uh, you see the beach down there? You see, do you see Kona? He points. I go, yeah. He goes, Jan, your wife, she's down there. She has your credit card. <laughs> Oh, uh, he quickly brought you back down to earth, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. But, uh, I love Hawaii turkey hunting. It's 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 spectacular. It's fabulous. It's a great place to turkey hunt. I've been doing it for years, and it's it's one of my favorite destinations. Or I got great friends over there. I mean, I got friends all over the island over there because we've we I was over there with Cabela Sportsman's Quest when I was doing that television show and Turkey Revolution and Hunter Specialties TV show and Walker's Gamer TV show and Ion Outdoors TV show. We shot lots of TV shows over there. And uh, this 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 time on Hawaii turkey hunt, we went fishing. We caught a 120 pound amberjack, and it wore both of us wow. out. But we got to catch some fish. My wife went fishing, caught some fish. Lots of great food. It's just a, it's a great destination. And you know, and I already started my turkey hunting for this year, first of March. I, first of March, I was over there turkey hunting. Yeah, it's on my to do list, and it will get done eventually because I've got all 49 states to get marked off. Cool. So. It's got a ways to go, but the wives, uh, with my group of hunting buddies, our wives are going on the Hawaii trip with us, and we're afraid Absolutely. of the credit card thing. So yeah. that's why we're <laughs> we're holding off on Hawaii. <laughs> okay, all right. But I hear great things about it, so I'm that's awesome. So good deal. I'm glad you enjoyed that trip. Obviously, you enjoy it because you go every year. So yes, I do. Yeah. Going back next year. Very good. Ray, man, I really appreciate your time and sharing your knowledge with us. And for those listeners who have not read your book, I do recommend that they get a copy of that and peruse it, learn from it, soak it up. A lot of years in that book. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, you know, to to ask me to be on your show. I mean, I appreciate that. 
I'm, I'm busy and we, we all do lots of things, but I, I always enjoy visiting with somebody and have the opportunity to, to talk about turkey hunting. And so, you know, thank you for letting me uh, be part of the show. Glad to do it. Appreciate you coming on. And, you know, you've, you've been a very highly requested guest. So I'm glad to make a lot of the listeners to the show smile today. All right. As well as myself. <laughs> okay. Right. Thank you very much. Are you headed turkey hunting this weekend? Is that no? I'm, I've got radio and stuff, and uh, okay. I'm not going to be doing the turkey, but we're going to be working on camp, and we got the youth season coming up. I've got a great youth hunt coming up. I'll be hunting with the governor, a uh, governor's hunt. Be hunting with go to the governor's mansion for dinner with the kids. It's a youth hunt, and we're shooting Midwest Outdoors Television with a with a lucky kid and his dad, and I'll be guiding them. And uh, can't wait for youth season. I love hunting with these kids. I'd rather hunt with the kids than anybody. It's awesome. Yeah, you're right. It is awesome, no doubt. Well, good luck with all that, and good luck the rest of this season. Hopefully, I'll see lots of pictures with you with some turkeys on Facebook, and we'll try to catch up again sometime okay, once the season great. ends. Yeah, I'll send you a picture from Florida here real soon. Good deal. Looking forward to seeing that. All right, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Have a great night. Goodbye. Okay, I hope you guys got some more tips from that interview that you'll be able to put in the back of your turkey vest to pull out and use the next time you chase some long beards. So I am completely slammed busy this week with the J-O-B. So I'm going to put a silver bow on this week's show and call it a wrap. But before I do, if you would please like and share this week's episode on Facebook and Twitter. And, heck, why not tag a hunting buddy in the post as well. That's a great way to spread the word about the show. And maybe you'll help your hunting buddy call in a mad old long beard to you one day next spring. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.